so, Lord, now uh, we hold in our hands uh, through electronic devices and paper uh, your word uh, preserved for us through the ages. That alone is a miracle. Um, that alone is a miracle. So it, it has persevered, and we want it to penetrate our hearts now. Um, bring to us not only the word to bear upon our own souls, but may it change our lives, transform us, really. And may we leave here as people who are determined to live the wise life, the life that you've designed for us. Thank you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Help me to love them well as we uh, take in the word this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we all want to make wise moves in life. We really do. No one sets out in life to self-destruct. No one ex uh, has some hope that in life they can end their life with twisted, gnarled relationships. No one has the high dream of being the most chaotic family on the block. Uh, people don't want the label, that guy will rip you off. Uh, people don't want that label. You want a good reputation, and at the core of that is you want a good character. It's all of us. But all of that requires us to make wise moves in life, make the right moves at the right time. Wisdom is not just knowledge, it's the right use of the knowledge. So I'm glad that you're here to help us discover together the words of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters. Some people read a chapter a day and read through the book of Proverbs every month, pretty much every month, all year round. Not a bad practice to have. But uh, these are recorded as, as time-tested, age-old Proverbs, not promises, not declared promises, but rather wisdom statements written by Solomon, the third king of Israel. There was Saul, David, and Solomon. Perhaps one of the most wisest men to live, but the wisest would be Jesus himself. But Solomon was described as a wise man. Never does it say that he's perfect. He does make mistakes. He does have moments when he doesn't get it right. But here's a guy who's, who's in early in his life making this, this, the decision to follow the Lord in faith. And because of that, he makes character decisions. So we use these proverbs. They're for us. They're wise statements for us in life. And these are wisdom literature this section of the bible is called wisdom literature and it's different than historical which is genesis exodus Leviticus, numbers those are the books of the law uh, and then it and it's not poetry it is a little bit poetic but it's certainly not like ephesians colossians where it's non-fiction kind of a how-to manual how to live the christian life you know there are different kinds of genres when you read this is called wisdom and and uh, what it's going to do is give to us little pithy statements the first nine chapters of of Proverbs will unpack for us the need for wisdom, and it it's, reads like a story, but then chapters 10 to 31 are just single statements. By the way, we asked you in a mailer this week, and if you didn't get the mailer, it's because you didn't sign up on the card, so sign up on the card, drop it in the plate, you'll get the next mailer. And, and we don't give, we don't sell that list to anybody, we just use it to keep you up to date but we just wrote a little note in there saying send us your favorite proverb so if you would give us your favorite proverb we may use it in the messages or in the prelude or postlude of the service at the front or back end or we use it in some of the e-news because we can't get all the proverbs okay one of my favorites trust in the lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways what is it acknowledge him you, you gotta know that was one of your favorites too yeah and 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 so uh, for single men, it's Proverbs 31, virtuous woman. She's out there, I know she is. And the goal for that guy is to be a virtuous man. You'll attract a virtuous woman, you know. Uh, and, and so th those are great Proverbs to have. But those are kind of standalone pieces. 
Proverbs will give to us time-tested, written by one of the wisest people in the world, and, and proven over and over historically. These are proven to be wisdom statements you can just hardly ever go wrong on. So having said all that, Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. He's telling us why he's writing. He's telling us who he is and why he's writing. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Stop at the end of verse 6. Are there words that are popping out to you? How many, wants, uh, how many of us want wisdom and instruction? Well, we don't want instruction. We just want wisdom, right? But they go hand in hand, don't they? We want instruction for prudent behavior. We want to do what's just and right and fair, verse 3. Or, you know what? We want to be, we want to be treated with justice and fairness and rightness, right? So we have to be that kind of person ourselves. We have to be prudent, verse 4, for those who are simple, those who don't know any better. Let the wise listen and add to their learning so the wise actually increase in their learning. The, the foolish don't. For understanding these, these proverbs, these parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise, you can identify, we can all identify with, with those are things that we need. And then he drops the truth bomb, verse 7. The fear, here it is, this is the anchor of the whole passage. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, not the end, the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, uh, go from chapter 1 to chapter 9. He repeats this at the back end of this opening portion of explaining what wisdom is. At the back end of it, chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So get that. When, whenever they repeat it, they're, they're meaning to drill down a little bit. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So you, you will have understanding, and that comes hand in hand with, with wisdom. That will come as you have knowledge of the Holy One. Who is that? That's God himself. Fearing God is where wisdom starts, not arrives, but begins. So then the question that I have to ask is this. Have you even begun this is almost insulting. Have you even begun to get wise? Do you fear the Lord? Well, I, I, yeah, sort of. No, do you fear the Lord? There's a talk show um, where a guy said, I can, through hypnosis, uh, train you to overcome your fears. And the host of the show said, like what? He goes, overcome your fear of, of uh, fire. And the host very wisely said, but I don't, want to overcome my fear of fire it could burn me yeah you understand how foolish that is you, you need a healthy fear you need a healthy fear so Solomon repeats it the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One you, you will not get understanding so you can't even get wise if you don't know God but if you and I will fear God, know him for what we know him, and then as we learn more about him, respect that with a reverence, it will give us perspective on everything that is happening. And here's, here's where I'm going to go with this today. 
is that fearing God will provide for you, that kind of fear will provide for you a kind of courage, power, confidence, strength, humility, and even grace that nothing else can. Because you fear God, other things will gain perspective, and you will not fear life. So if you will fear God more, you will fear life less. Okay? Let that soak in for a moment. The more you and I are aware that we answer to God, therefore we'll do what's right and we'll think what's right. Why? Because I'm answering to God. Why? Because I fear him. I have a healthy respect, an awesome respect of him, a reverence for him. Greg Holliday is an editor for Multnomah Press in Portland, Oregon. They they take on books. And, And Holliday actually edits for some of the authors we all would read, uh, best-selling authors in the Christian world. He surveyed an audience to find out, uh, do they uh, watch movies? And if so, what kind? And, and the, the audience would respond, I'm not gonna ask you to do that. But he said, how many of you watch um, um, romantic? You know, and how many of you watch comedy? And, how many of you watch action and how many of you watch horror and there were you know three lurking people in the back horror movies you know and and then what was interesting was he said how many of you watch suspense movies and why is it that we watch suspense movies why do we want to be scared it's a great question isn't it why do i want to be scared oh it just draws me in Think about nothing else. It takes me away. It's a, it's a form of entertainment because I'm drawn in. I forget everything else. And uh, that editor was right. It's what it, that's what the hanging, the end of the chapter, that's what makes it that's suspenseful. That's what makes good writing, isn't it? <clears throat> Wanda and I were just talking about it the other day. We knew a couple that actually worked in um, a business together. I was doing some business there, and I was finding a way to say to them, hey, you need to join us for church one weekend. I said, so what are you doing this weekend? He goes, well, he said, I'm glad you asked because he said, there's this thing that we do. We can't do it very often, but we pack our lunches and we don't drive a whole lot. We don't spend money on anything else. That way we can save our money because about once a month, this weekend we're going to do it. We're going to go jump. I said, what? He said, we're going to go jump. I said, where? He goes, it's not where, it's out of something. It's out of a plane. He said, we love to go parachute and we love to jump. And I, to which I'm saying, why would you jump out of a plane that's operating completely normal? I mean, why not just wait for it to land? But they loved that. They loved the suspense, the fear of it. Do you know why? It was a rush to them. Do you get this? And he said, all week I work and work, and I'm always thinking. And he said, for two hours on Saturday, I do nothing else but think, am I going to live to Sunday? He loved that. It was an adrenaline rush. That fear awakened him to really live does that make sense and then i thought inviting him to church was almost boring compared to (laughs) so i let it go you know like you know someone else will pick him up another church i don't know but you understand this when you are quickened to something you're more alive to it get this if you'll fear god you will be more alive you will be more fearless if you can get that down that will help you in life. Now, what I want to do is I want to give you four kinds of people in the Proverbs, but I want to, I want to skip past this really fast because I want to come back to it in the future. It, this is so good, and this will probably be down the road. 
another whole message. But there are four types of people in the Proverbs. I'm just getting our heads in. By the way, there are more than that. There's, there's sluggards and deceitful. But I'm going to give you four major ones, okay? One is called the simple. Proverbs 7, 7. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the wise men, a youth who had no sense. You ever met a person like that? A youth who had no sense. I've not met a youth who had sense. Okay, never mind. <clears throat> Number two. There's the fool. The fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. He delights in wisdom, but a fool delights in this chaos he creates, this scheme he creates. That's the fool. Uh, Dad, my car got repossessed, and I thought God would be my provider. And the dad says, he is your provider. It's called a job. You need to make the payments on the car, and it won't get repossessed. And by the way, here's a bus schedule. That's not the judgment of God. That's called natural consequences. And sometimes you just need natural consequences for the fool. For the naive, for, for this first person, the simple, just time gives him room to grow. For the fool, sometimes hardship helps them grow out. Thirdly, there's the mocker. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Why, why, why would I go into that conversation? I'm just going to get beat up. Do not rebuke mockers, or they'll hate you. They will hate you. Better for you just to walk away. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. They'll actually thank you that you helped them. So whoever corrects a mocker, they just invite insults. This is the fool on steroids. This is one step down from fool. This is fool who's actually helping others become foolish as well. They love to debate. They're never wrong, and they take fools with them into mockery. There's a fourth person. It's the wise person. This is the one that we all want to be. And the wise person, Proverbs 9, 9, if you're in 9, 10, back up one verse. Instruct the wise and they'll be wiser still. They'll, they'll eat it up. They'll take it in. Teach the righteous. They'll add to their learning. They'll actually, they'll actually take this instruction and add to it. The wise person becomes a learner and drinks it in and goes back for more. Now, verse 10 again, chapter 9, verse 10 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. What does it mean to fear the Lord? What does that look like? That's where I want to camp now. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Fear of the Lord looks like this. It sees God, number one, as awesome. Psalm 33. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let the, all the people of the world revere him. <clears throat> Do you see the fear him and revere him? Almost synonymous. God, you're saying, God, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are wonderful. That's the way you see him. You are kind beyond measure. You are truth. And yet you're creative in everything that you do. So therefore, I am out of your league. There's nothing that compares to you. Who is God like our God, we sing that, I revere you. Again, from Isaiah, the prophet, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. You, you just don't get it with him. He is awesome. 
And the more I get to know God and know who he is, the more amazed I am. And all him, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. How wonderful is his love for me. I can't get over that. The more I get to know him, the more amazed I am by him. He is everlasting creator, and he, he knows all about me, and yet chooses to love me and send his son to redeem me. And, and he knows why everything exists. He knows how it all holds together, and he is not blown by that. He is not worn out with that. He does not grow weary or tired, verse 8. And yet I get weary trying to even understand it, much less create it. I'm worn out just trying to figure it out. He is awesome. So what does the fear of the Lord look like? It looks like this. God, you are awesome. You are incredible. Number two, it treats God as holy. Psalm 99, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Why? He is holy. He is absolute pure in righteousness. He, nothing compares to him, nothing. We sit, get that, at verse 5 again, at his footstool, so we're at the lowest point and there we're even at an honored place there is no pride in our part we are grateful to be at the footstool and it's not about us it's about him I hope you get that Hebrews chapter 12 therefore since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe for our God is a consuming fire. He eats it up. He consumes it. The fire does not stop. If we ever wondered, fearing God is like consuming fire. You don't play with fire. You fear fire, and for good reason, because it will consume us, and painfully so. Here's the thing about SBC, and it's a wonderful thing. We do a lot of things to accommodate people around here. We want to make it comfortable and attractive, and we do this to keep the distractions down about Christ because we want people to see Jesus and meet Jesus and encounter the saving Savior who, who will uh, redeem their life and bring them out of the pit and, and transform their minds and their hearts. And So we'll, we'll go to any extent. And I'm happy that we do that, but sometimes what happens is this. Along the way, things don't go exactly as everyone would think they should and it becomes about us instead of about God and people who believe that it's about them and not about God and it, it, we try hard to make it as inviting and conducive as as we can but in the end it's not about you it's not about me it's about him and somehow for our convenience sometimes we grow weary thinking you know, what's in this for me? And, and worship isn't about me. It's about the holiness and the greatness, the awesomeness of God. So you have to ask yourself, would you worship if we didn't have a parking lot? Would you worship if we didn't have HVAC? Would you worship if we didn't have a great band? Would you, would you worship if we didn't have kids programming? Would you worship if there were no chairs? Um, if there were no carpet, I mean, would, would you worship or would you, oh, I'm not going to do that today. Is it, is it that what it's come down to? And we want all those things to make it as attractive to, 
for the sake of helping people come to Christ, but if we couldn't offer them, and I could show you churches around the world that sit on a two by four for a bench and they have no HVAC. I could show you uh, people who've gone to jail for having church in their homes. And so it, 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 what we get to enjoy today is, I mean, we are, we are pretty soft in the world's scheme of churches. But how would that settle for you? I have a, a daughter who um, went to a concert recently, saved her money. It was a Christian concert. I know what you're thinking. Uh, well, you're thinking that's your daughter. My daughter goes to Christian concert. At least that's what she told me. So, so anyway, his daughter goes to a concert and pays money. I don't know, 50 bucks or something to get in the door. And... Uh, she comes home, I go, how was it? She goes, it was great. She said, there was a mass of people, there were so many that dad, uh, and she goes, I know you're not gonna know this, but it was like one large mosh pit. I know what a mosh pit is, I've been in one. Uh, almost got carried away from, from one, but they were just trying to lift my wallet as I was going on, I, I didn't go for that, so, so I go. She said, there were, no, there were no chairs, it was just all open floor. And the concert was like, we had to be there like two hours early, and the concert was like three more hours, and we were an hour getting out there. I said, so you, you paid 50 bucks and you stood up for six hours? She goes, oh yeah, it was great. <laughs> and my mind went back to, is that naive? Is that youth? Is that, she's just in better shape than I am. Just, but you understand, you want it badly enough, you'll do it. She was energized by going to that concert. Energized. He is awesome, number one. He is holy, number two. And it is not about us. It is about him. He is consuming fire. This is why it, I had to... I, I, occasionally we'll even sing a song that reflects our appreciation for what God has provided and we want to be thankful people and we want to announce that we're thankful for what he provides occasionally we'll have a reflection song of his goodness to us but even when we pick our songs they're far less about us and a whole lot more about God I hope you get that distinction because there is Christian light music out there that's how great I am no no it's not that it's about how great he is how glorious he is and the fact that he would redeem me doesn't make me all that great it just makes him all that more glorious and so even when we pick songs and we'll we strain at them we we go hard at them we we strangle at the wording because we never want to give you not only bad theology but a bad memory of that because we know that song's going to sink in and you're going to be humming it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And what we, want you to, what we want you to be going home with is God is awesome and God is holy and he is blessed, a, a blessing to us, but he is holy. And because of that, we realize we're not and we, we are at his footstool. We're at his footstool. Thirdly, what does the fear of God look like? It looks like that we know that he is righteous, righteous in all of his ways. Psalm 19, 
the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. There it is, the simple. Helps them make wise. Get that? If you just go to the word of God, it will help the simple person. See how it's, it all relates? By the way, this was written by a previous king in a previous generation. You know why it's there? It's because it's eternal truth. Okay? So the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. There's our key. Giving joy to the heart. When you are right, you can stay there. You, can, you know you have joy. Why? Because you know you're right. The commandments of the Lord are radiant. Why? Giving light to the eyes. You, the lights come on because you are following the commandments of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is pure and it, it endures forever. It doesn't change like shadows do. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. Because the fear of the Lord is pure, it is always going to be right. It is always going to be right. When God speaks, it is always true. It is always right. And if all men are liars, he is always right. Get that down. So when, when he speaks, we don't go, I don't know if I agree with that. It doesn't matter if you agree with it. It's his word. Do you get that? That's the fear of the Lord. Second Peter chapter 1. These are verses we just read right past. I'm not... I'm just saying, sometimes we read right past the opening piece. 2 Peter 1, Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God are in our Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and, our Jesus, and, and of Jesus our Lord. He, he, this is his welcome. He's saying, it's me, Pete, and I'm telling you this because of the greatness of our God and he demonstrates that greatness through his son, Jesus. And it's kind of the opening, hello, it's me. And even in the midst of that, he's saying, this is the God who is righteous, the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus. And that faith that we share in, that we hold in common, is precious to us because we get to know God and we get to know his son. Everything that he says, whenever he speaks, it's going to be right. And, and he... And if he is not always totally right, then our salvation is lost. I mean, it's, it's all for naught. But here's the issue. For hundreds of years, all the predictions have come absolutely true. So I can bank on it. Why? Because every time he speaks, it has always come true. And some of it doesn't always make sense. Some of it's hard to believe. This is the hard part. People will say to me, you know, I can't, I can't believe that he is always right because sometimes it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that a guy would march around a city for a week and blow a horn and the walls would come down. I mean, what, what kind of code does that county have there that the walls would fall down? Well, that, nothing wrong with the county code. It was the miracle of God. He said, well, I can't believe that God is always right. That, 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 to tell the story, Jesus walked on water. Jesus raised a girl who they thought was dead or he put mud on some guy's eyes he could see about making the sun stand still or an axe float in the in the old testament there's a, a story of an axe float. axes don't float what's wrong with you that's hard to believe you know what because he said it it's true it doesn't and this is why th those are called you know what those are called those are called not normal days those are called miraculous days that's what those are those are called miracles they're not called normals <laughs> they're called miracles why 
because God did them. And it doesn't, that doesn't mean that God is lying. It means God, number, point number one, God is awesome. He can do whatever he wills. And when his son decides, I'm going to make that guy who's been laying beside the pool, I'm going to make him walk today. Hey, buddy, get up and walk. Oh, that's cruel. That is cruel. Wait, hey, wait a minute. Get back down. You're walking. We've never seen you walk our entire lives. I'm walking. I'm leaping. I'm praising God. Can you imagine the dance he went to that Friday night? <laughs> Think about it. Isn't that the guy who was laying beside the pool? Yeah, just since my lifetime. God is not a liar in that city. It is miraculous because he is awesome. He is awesome, he is holy, and he is always right in all of his ways. And some of us, we, we say, well, I have favorite doctrines I really like, and those are the ones I really focus on. The other ones I don't really like, so I just don't look at them. You can do that, and you're going to miss bits, corners of the righteousness of God and the goodness and the grace of God. You ignore those verses, and, and those are the verses that you will desperately need some point in life. Fearing uh, God means that we, we follow him and, and we know he is right even when we don't fully understand. One time in the Old Testament, he said to one of his spiritual leaders, hey, go up to the edge of the hill and just stand and watch, see what the Lord will do. <laughs> okay, we'll go. And he watched as the army came, and the army came, and he created chaos with the army, and the army destroyed itself that was supposed to be attacking them. That's a miracle. Did that guy understand it? No. It doesn't mean that God was wrong. It means he is awesome. And he is right. He keeps his word every, every time. We sing it. Um, we sang it last week. Uh, you are holy. There is no one like you. And so we will build our lives on that. Why? Because you are holy. We'll never get over that. You are holy. A, a songwriter hundreds of years ago put it th th together this way. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. We don't use the word bulwark. It is like, it's like a bunker. It will not be destroyed. It, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark. It's a bunker that will never fail. And the songwriter went on to say in a later verse, the body they may kill. You can kill me. God's truth abideth still. You can kill me. His word will still come true. It doesn't matter by because it's not about me. It's about him. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord means he is awesome. He is holy. He is always right. And therefore, he has the right to make the decisions. That's number four. God, follow, we follow God in all of the decisions. He is the decision maker. The Lord is my shepherd, the psalmist put it. I need nothing else he's a decision maker he opens the fields he moves the flock he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leaves me beside quiet waters he restores my soul when i stay close to the shepherd i'll be well fed and i'll be cared for you ever notice uh, there's no shepherd out there who like okay sheep are gathering up they want to vote they want to go to a different hill sheep don't vote they don't go to a different hill And sometimes the shepherd has to do stuff that they don't like to do. Modern story, not ancient, although it was ancient thousand years before Jesus when Psalm 23 was written. Um, but a, shep a shepherding farmer from Canada actually tells this story 
he has a flock of sheep. Wow. He takes one to the barn and, and uh, opens up his nose with a knife and digs into the sheep's nose because the, the sheep's got an infection. His wife walks in the barn and says, what, honey, what are you doing? He says, well, this sheep's got a bug. The bug came up his nose, created an infection. The bug is going to seat into the wall of the nose if we don't pull it out. He's got antiseptic there and a knife, and he's carving away at this nose, and the sheep is just doing what a sheep would do, trying to run away. He pours the, the ointment on, tries to numb it, and opens up that nose and pulls out a bug. He said, and she says, can't you just leave it alone? Won't the bug die? He goes, no, the, the bug will actually implant on the wall and then reproduce inside the sheep. And then that, that whole colony of bugs will then go towards the brain and the sheep will go stark raving crazy and die. But he'll lead other sheep to craziness as well. So I'm saving his life and I'm saving the life of the other sheep. Kind of a gruesome story. But sometimes the shepherd has to do that. Not happy. And you could imagine that sheep, the next time the shepherd comes up on the hill, the sheep goes, oh, I'm getting into the crowd here. <laughs> I have no nose. Stay away from me. I mean, if I were a sheep, that's what I'd be doing, you know. And you can imagine he doesn't like the shepherd for a while. But what does the shepherd know? I am saving the sheep's life. I'm saving the sheep from craziness and then sheer, and, and without question, death, an ugly kind of death. And now I'll go back to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The shepherd's going to take care of me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because I have the shepherd with me. Why? Because I fear the shepherd. What does he do? He takes care of me. Do you get this? This just, this could be the sermon right here. The good shepherd knows what the sheep needs, feeds the soul, and, and then that, that keeps you from your soul being drained. He restores you and as the decision maker, he takes all the responsibility off of you. He chooses the correct path and leads you beside quiet waters. Anyone who would buck a sheep like that is a fool, an absolute fool. 1 Peter 3, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the Lord is against, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Get that. Ask yourself, do I want to do my own thing, the foolish thing, oh, just for a season? I know it's stupid, but let me do it just for the next decade. And then I'll get my heart right with Jesus. Do I want to do the stupid, foolish thing only to have God stand against me? Do I want that, really? If he is Lord, he has the right to call the shots in my life. You're saying, but you don't understand. Jesus lived in a different time. Marriages were different Keeping your word was different. No, keeping your word is the same. Honoring your vows is the same. Why? Because it's true. It's right. It's noble. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? It means we take him so seriously that we follow him as the decision maker in our lives. Number five. What does fearing the Lord look like? He gives God all the credit for life. 
First Chronicles 16, ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name, bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Worship him, he's holy. It's point number two. But what, what is this about his life? He gets all the glory. In fact, even when we give an offering, we give the glory to God that we even have an offering to give. So we ascribe glory to him, we give to him, we declare he is worthy and he alone. And if anyone should speak, he speaks of the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do so with the strength that God provides. Get this, it all comes from God. So in all things that God would be praised through Jesus, through Jesus Christ, and it's to him be glory now, forever and ever, Peter writes, amen. This is the end of it. The fear of the Lord means I honor him absolutely in everything. It means I take him so seriously. I don't take any glory to myself. And that becomes, folks, that fear of the Lord, that becomes the beginning, not the arrival point, the beginning of wisdom. So we have our work cut out for us. You want wisdom? And we all do. We have to take God seriously. That he is awesome, that he is holy, that he is right, he is decision maker, and that he is worthy of getting all the credit, all the glory goes to him. And when you fear God more, you will fear life less. That's the life we want. Amen? Let's bow for prayer. The wisest move you could make right now is uh, to recognize uh, if you need wisdom, James puts it this way. If anyone lacks wisdom, and we all do, let him ask God. And James says, and he gives to all liberally. He, he gives it like there's an endless supply. Would you ask him for wisdom? And may that wisdom start by fearing God, taking him ever so seriously. If you've never trusted Christ as personal Savior, this is the time to do it. You have a Father in Heaven who loves you, and he gave his Son to be Savior of the world, and he says, I'll, I'll save you if you'll just come to me in faith. And so your prayer might be, Jesus, save me. I need you in my life. And that would be the, the birth for you, the spiritual birth. God, give us wisdom. Give us salvation, we pray in Christ's name.